Hello and welcome to Concert Pipeline. This is Steve Jones. In this episode, I'm going to be flying solo. So, you're going to hear a lot of my voice. Not so much of our co-host voice this week. Hope that's okay. But, you will hear a great interview from a band that I uh, had the pleasure of interviewing just a, a few days ago. Um, at the Fillmore in San Francisco called Thin Lips. And uh, Thin Lips played uh, uh, an excellent set, and uh, I had the chance to sit uh, down with them after their performance. Um, It was a a fun conversation. We'll get into that in a little bit. We also have a a good handful of interviews that are uh, being lined up right now, so more content coming. We're going to be having shows probably every week for a little bit now. So uh, the Concert Pipeline train is going to continue rolling. Um, before we get too far, I want to remind you how you can get in touch with Concert Pipeline. You can follow us on Twitter at Concert Pipeline, uh, facebook.com forward slash Concert Pipeline pod. Hit us up on Instagram at Concert Pipeline, Periscope at Concert Pipeline, you name it. There's lots of ways to get a hold of Concert Pipeline. Um, and uh, lots of good shows that you'll be uh, hearing from as well. So um, let's uh, talk a little bit about the Thin Lips uh, show, and uh, then we'll get into the interview here. So as I mentioned, Thin Lips performed at the Fillmore in San Francisco. They uh, they were playing with Modern Baseball in Joyce Manor, and, uh, and they opened up the show uh, to a sold-out crowd, which is really awesome. Actually, uh, I've talked a lot on the podcast about the Fillmore and my love for that venue, and... Uh, all the great shows I've been to there, how pivotal the Fillmore is and has been on my life, and uh, and just really the energy in that room. But there's nothing like seeing a sold-out crowd who's who's not even just coming for the headliner, but there uh, for the opening band as well. Even before uh, the Joyce Manor took the stage, when Thin Lips, uh, before Thin Lips was playing, really before the show, there was the longest line at the merch table uh, that I've ever seen at the Fillmore. It uh, stretched from the back of the venue up to the front, and then wrapped back down to the back of the uh, the venue. So lots of people buying merchandise from the band, which is really great because it goes to uh, supporting the band, keeping them uh, able to go uh, stay on the road and uh, and do their thing and was uh, really awesome. So it was a, it was a fun show. Uh, and I, I want to really uh, put a thank you out as well to uh, Thin Lips lead singer Chrissy, who uh, was really outgoing and uh, for the for to do this interview because it came together kind of last minute. Um, I wasn't a hundred percent sure that it was going to happen, but also um, I was uh, a little silly and I scheduled the interview on the same day as my daughter's birthday party. Her uh, my daughter had her sixth birthday, and uh, it was at my house. Lots of kids running around, and it was a water party. So uh, we had a slip and slide. They were sliding on that. They uh, through water balloons, there was a human bubble uh, thing going on, and uh, I was uh, handling the beer, uh, hanging out with uh, with some friends. So uh, a good time for everyone. I uh, managed the adults. My daughter's mom ha- uh, handled the kids, and uh, and lots of lots of fun to be had. We had a barbecue. It was it was a great time. But also I had the uh, the interview, and I really did want to do the interview. Uh, and and go to the Fillmore. Never turned on a chance to go to the Fillmore and uh, and talk to a cool band at the same time. And so uh, so I was uh, go, uh, talking with Chrissy before. I was texting with her, and she uh, had uh, the she had originally wanted to do the interview around sound check. That's usually when we do the in- interviews anyway. Um, it's usually a good time for the band, either before or after their sound check. They're at the venue, they can get it done, and then have time to get something to eat before. Uh, their performance uh, but that time after a birthday party there wouldn't have been a time it would have been cutting it really close to get to the city I wouldn't have uh, been able to clean up I'd have to kick people out and stuff uh, of the house uh, so she was really flexible did the interview after their set 
uh, after she had a little chance to cool down and we talked to uh, the whole band actually uh, they and they had some great stories about uh, their time on the road how they got together the creation of their uh, their albums and I think really the, the best thing to do is to let you hear it for yourself uh, we're gonna start it out though with uh, a song from Thin Lips set uh, at the Fillmore and this is Deb <laughs> I, I don't sound excited, I'm a very nervous person, very nervous. Our band's called Deadlifts. My personal name is Chrissy. And that's Kyle, and that's Chris, and that's my little brother, Mikey. You guys are so much more fun already than LA. I am here with Chrissy, Kyle, and Chris from Thin Lips. How are you guys doing? Good, how are you? Good, we, we can both hold the mic. Oh, cool. Works double as good. Oh, yeah. sick, hey. I didn't realize yeah. we had two mics. Yeah, we're doing well. We're What's doing up? Well. Awesome. Now, you guys came up from Southern California uh, on this, uh, it's like a six-week tour you're, you're on with modern, modern Baseball, right? Yep, modern and baseball, yeah. Manor. And Joyce Manor, yeah. Manner. So, you guys, if you two want to share that one, I'll share okay, with Chrissy, cool. and then uh, that, that can, so you don't have to leave it next to So, tell me how the tour's been going so far. It started in Nashville? Unbelievable. It's been going so well. We played in Nashville, we played a couple dates, like three dates in Texas, a date in the desert, three dates in Southern California, and now we're here, so... It's been unbelievable. And how the tour? Four dates. Was it, in, da- in was it Dallas that was amazing? What yeah, was Dallas. it? Yeah. It was unbelievable. I was not expecting it. It was. Dallas incredible. was awesome, and tonight's been awesome too. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, every every night has been awesome, but some nights just right, stand awesome. out. Yeah. yeah. And this is one of the more awesome nights you're saying. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Good. It's just like a really Definitely, good, yeah. enthusiastic crowd. Yeah, some some nights you can't it's be an like, enthusiastic crowd. Honestly, most of the crowds have been pretty enthusiastic. When we played in LA, it was very like we got on stage and everybody was silent, and we were like, normally we get on stage, and we were like, wow, 
not like we're not modern baseball, but we're getting the thing started. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> full crowd, a pretty cool crowd. <laughs> yeah, you don't always get the full crowd like at the for the opener, and I mean, and so you have that tonight, and I mean, a show at the Fillmore. To be honest, uh, I feel like we we're very lucky. Um, it's an hour before set time every night. Doors open an hour before set time, which is kind of rare. But it's a three-band bill, and I feel like our booking agents were really amazing. So, so how'd the tour come together for you guys? Well, um, so we work with Lamo Records and um, Andrew Ellis and Greg Horble at uh, APA Entertainment. They're our booking agents, and they communicate a lot. APA is um, Modern Baseball's booking agent. And um, I, I believe that Joyce Manor works with Merrick from um, Ground Control. And um, Lamo is our record label and released Sports, which is the first um, modern baseball record. And also, Eric used to be their drummer. Like, he's an amazing dude. Eric Osman has, like, done more for my musical career than any other human. <laughs> That's not Kyle. I was just going to say, I think um, when we were working on the record, the new record this past year, Eric um, showed Modern Baseball the album as it was coming together, and I think they just really dug it and wanted to take us out on tour. So we feel super fortunate. That's awesome. And, and now, Chris, your, your brother Mikey, he's uh, the drummer now, right? How did he uh, get in, uh, come into the band? Oh, well, we used to play uh, in... We've been playing together since we were in middle school. We used to be in a band, and I played drums, and he sang, and we just covered corn songs over and over again. Um, we covered Blind, pretty much, primarily, by corn over and over again. What did you cover? Blind. Blind? Yeah. I can see, I can see. Oh. Uh, right. Sure. I see it now. So, he would, uh, he played in Dangerous Ponies, me and Kyle and, and Mikey played in Dangerous Ponies together for a really long time, and, um, when Thin Lips first started, I, uh, asked Mikey to play with us, and we got into, like, a really horrible sibling dispute, and I actually kicked him out of the band for a little bit, because he wouldn't apologize to me, and I would not forgive him until he did. And he eventually apologized to me, and so, you know, we had a, Pat, Pat Breyer, who's an amazing drummer, who plays in Three Man Cannon, he used to play in Tiger's Jaw, he was our drummer on our first EP, and, um... And he's filled in with, with us on, a, on our, he filled in with us on our Kayatana tour with, with Jumped and Warriors also, super cool. Yeah. So do you, do you get along really well with your brother? How is it, like, touring in a van? obsessed with my brother. He is an amazing angel straight from heaven. He has a he's secretly the funny like one of the funniest people I've ever met. A lot of people don't like know because he's kind of a stoner, you know. And they're just like, "Oh, he's Mikey. He's an angel." But he's actually like hysterical and so weird and so funny and so good to me. And on top of his shit, he just all he wants to do is play drums. He works so hard. And golf. He's always impressed. And he was hitting that kid pretty hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's also a golfer, <laughs> which is obviously strange because he looks like the dude slash Jesus. <laughs> so uh, your parents, how do they take to you guys' musical from from middle school, you say? Well, uh, a lot of times when we were younger, they would be like... They would always flick the lights because our jam room was in the basement. And, you know, my dad taught us how to play. My dad's a musician. He's an amazing musician. And um, he got us our first drum kit because we both play drums, but Mikey's way better. I suck. Um, he has always supported us. He was in a, like, wedding band growing up. Um, and we used to go see him all the time in his cover band. He was awesome. And... Um, I don't know, he's always been so amazing. Uh, my very first show ever, I played drums for War Pigs at a wedding with my dad's cover band. I had an undercut, I was a chubby, like, <laughs> 17 year old. I, uh, that's how I look now. And uh, I actually always wanted to cover that song with my dad, and we never did it. Still time? 
No, he, he actually passed away almost a month ago. Oh, yeah, sorry. No, th- thank you. Thank yeah, you. But uh, he was a rocker also. So, yeah. My parents were not rockers whatsoever. <laughs> so you didn't have the luxury? I mean, what, how did they feel about you play, playing music? Oh, they're, they're totally stoked. I think initially they wanted me to play football, but, you know, they, they've come around. They're, they're, they're pretty into it. So. <laughs> yeah. Now, one thing I like about uh, you guys and this tour, really, from what I can tell, is you really are promoting safety uh, at, at the shows. I know uh, Modern Baseball, they have a, a, a line where you can call the tour manager if there's any issues, and you guys, uh, one of your fans uh, got kicked in the head, I guess, uh, dur- or during your set. And yeah, she she. She was actually, was actually during Joy's Manor set, um, and I wrote her back, and I was just like, "Listen, I'm so sorry. These things happen. Like th- th- these things happen, and and it sucks. Like it's really difficult to address because you can't control everybody, and like crowd surfing is like a weird cultural thing. People want to do. It. People don't do it really for us that much. Like tonight was the first time somebody's crowd surfed the whole time, and and we've been doing great this whole tour. Like people have been super pumped on our set, but like they don't know the words. I feel like when people know the words, they like freak out. Yeah. You know. But um. But yeah, I like wrote her back, and I was super sorry, but also like, you know. I, I can stop as much as I can. Like, sometimes I stop playing when things get too violent. But, like, you know, there's literally almost nothing else I can do, aside from not play. Yeah, I mean, it's really, like, almost impossible to control a thousand people at one time. But, uh, you know, we're, every, I think everyone on this tour is just trying to be, like, super inclusionary and, and promote a, a peaceful and... And a fun experience for everybody, because you can have fun without kicking people in the head and, oh, yeah. and bullying anybody. You know, it doesn't need to get to that point, right? Right, you can mosh around, have fun, you know, but just do it safely. <laughs> now, your first EP, Divorce Year, came out uh, last year. Where, what's the meaning behind that? Uh, is there divorce in? I mean, in the family? Well, I um, so that year um. I broke up with my partner of six years, who's one of my best friends now. We're like super tight, and my youngest brother died, and so it was just kind of he died of blood clots. Sorry. Um, but you know, I've, I've come to terms with it, but I've been processing it for you know like two and a half years now, and uh, it still hits me sometimes, and it's like terrifying. I get really overwhelmed and scared. Because that's the thing about these things is, like, feelings aren't, like, words. Feelings, like, you know, take over your body. Yeah. And sometimes uh, you don't have words for them, even even at the most communicative, like... Yeah, and I, I feel like sometimes the closest you can get is writing a, a record. Yeah. And you, I know. Just, you know, so uh, my partner and I broke up two weeks before Billy died, and then... She, but she was with me through the whole process. She was at the hospital. She took. Said, I wouldn't have stood up or gotten dressed without her. And her name's Mackenzie Green. She's amazing. She's so wonderful, and she took such good care of me. And I'm very grateful for that. So. It's great. It's great that you guys can really be amicable past that. I think that uh, queer relationships are kind of different than straight people relationships. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's like a lot of like. Um, can't talk to my ex and like you know like yeah like proprietary restriction it's total bullshit yeah like it's like a lot of like jealousy and guilt stuff that I think honestly stems deeply from religion and it's just like not my vibe like I work really hard to decolonize my brain pretty constantly so yeah I'll tell you I mean last year actually was a divorce year for myself as well and then, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm so amicable with her and everything. We put on the, you know, my, our daughter's birthday party today. And, and so we're, we live actually across the street from each other. So I could hit her with a rock if I needed to. <laughs> That's awesome. That's just not very uh, typical. Like, I feel like I have a lot of friends who are in kind of more heteronormative situations where they just, like, hate each other. Yeah. Or, like, somebody cheats on them and they hate the woman they shoot on with, but not the fucking Right. Yeah, I think all of that is like, I'm I'm also I'm like also, mo- almost almost everyone I've ever dated, seriously, I'm still good friends yeah. with, and like, I even just like reconciled with the one person I still had kind of like issues with very recently after oh, my father great. passed away. It was it was wonderful. Yeah. She reached out, 
and we talked and we went for a walk in the woods and it was just like it's just that easy you know <laughs> like it's just so much easier to, to have a dialogue and be transparent with somebody than be like put on some macho front or you know yeah you know just hate everyone totally yeah i mean my parents got divorced when i was really young and uh and i mean it was always back and forth and it, it didn't work out very well and, and i didn't want to do that for to you know, to my kids so sure um so yeah i mean a week, yeah. a week after the divorce actually it was it was january of last year uh, i actually did an interview in this same room here with a, an artist named uh, matt costa uh no um but he you know and it, he played a song for the podcast and it was one that was kind of really kind of spoke to that situation and uh, told I didn't tell him before you know when, when I asked him to play that song but afterwards I told him and it, like he was like pretty moved by it and everything like the meaning so it's, it's good you know to be able to move forward positively and still be friends like that so um, so then I mean your your full length came out this year um, riff hard. So tell me a little bit about the process behind that and how it kind of differed from uh, from your your EP. And welcome, Mikey. Too. Hi, how you doing? Great. How are you? Good. Good. Uh, this is. Hi, I'm Mikey. <laughs> no, no, no stronger words have been said. <laughs> For the question, uh, um, well, what's up? Yeah. Well, we have a new uh, member, Chris. Chris Deems in the band. Hi, yeah. Dude rules pretty 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 all right. Um, also, Pat Breyer recorded the drums on the first EP because my sister and I had a falling out. But I mean, it was it's better that way because he rules and killed it. So you ruled pretty well tonight too, though. So. Thank, thank you. You're hitting those drums pretty hard. That's what uh, that's what my dad tells me to do. <laughs> So tell me a little bit about the album. Like, uh, how'd you guys pull it together? Did Did you have a different process for cool. for this one? Uh, the, you know, the first record, like Chrissy and I mostly wrote it, you know, together, like in her bedroom, and we kind of pieced it together. Um, we wrote like eight songs or something, and we kind of like narrowed it down to just, I don't know, just ones kept not making the cut, and then we, we. Um, the first one we ended up tracking the drums at rubber tracks and we we're gonna try to do it all live and then uh it just didn't like sound right so yeah. then we ended up like <laughs> meticulously re-recording everything for like six months and like kind of doing a lot of writing in the studio and this this one um we did a lot less writing in the studio we jammed a lot with all four members you know put it together like we were writing parts for the for the ep that like you know, we couldn't really play live because we didn't have two guitars. Yeah. So that's kind of the reason why we got Chris. But, um, but yeah. So we so we jammed a bunch, um, made demos. We wanted to record it live again, and it still didn't sound good. So we ended up just doing like Mikey just did drums to uh, to a click track to tape because he's a fucking machine. Yeah. He's the man. And then we just uh, and then we just layered. He's an unbelievable machine. It's crazy. But uh, we... Mikey actually kicked us out of the room because we were messing him up. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. In my space here. Yeah. So, and then we just, and then we, um, there's so many, so many crazy things happened while we were recording, but it was, it was a nightmare a little bit, but it all, it all came together. So, but there's a, we had a pretty good idea of like exactly what we wanted going into this one. There was a lot less writing in the studio, except for the last song. Um, Chrissy just made a demo on her phone and like... At the end of the last day, Mikey just like put the drums down, like third take. Just and I edited them. Well, I like edited them for my own purposes. Oh, okay. And then we made this like gorilla studio in the in the live room while Kyle was like mixing and editing. Because it was like the last day of. Yeah, and I so <laughs> for breaking up and breaking down, I just like. They just left me to my own devices, and I wrote the song. I recorded all my own vocals. I recorded two guitar solos on it. Yeah, I like <laughs> more like a hundred guitar solos yeah. on it. But we we picked the two best ones to play live. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I would be like mixing in the control room, and then I would like hit stop, and then I would hear like this awesome like vocal line, you know, coming from the other room. And be like, oh, that sounds good. <laughs> it was, it's so funny because like we had no idea what it was. What, you know, Chrissy had the. Chrissy had the parts writ like just just the parts written and kind of a vocal melody that she was humming, or that she had like a verse and a chorus written in, and it was like, so she had she cut and pasted the drums and and 
made it work. And then, but like, so none of us knew how it was going to turn out. And it was just like, when the first time I heard it, I was like, this is my favorite song on the record. And yeah. I had nothing to do with it. Yeah. it was, I like walked in, I was like, oh, fuck. This is like the whole song. It's yeah. crazy. So. That kind of happens just in general. You always think that something that someone else did is so much better than, than whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. You know, I spent some time with my friend Jess last night, and we were trading a guitar back and forth in, in L.A., and she was just like showing me these songs that she'd written, and they're so simple and beautiful, and I'm just, they're like mind-blowing to me. And then, like, you know, we, it was one of those things where it's like, your songs are so great, and it's like, no, your songs are so great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, here we go. Yeah. 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 Awesome. And, and so you guys uh, did the I Wonder music video. You made a uh, music video out of that where you kind of go back to school and, uh, and and tell me about that process and how you decided on, on that theme. Well, well Chris, Chris came up with the, the idea, so I'll, I'll pass it off to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we, played, we had played a, a show, a perfectly harmless show. Uh, I'm just a freak. Uh, so we played a show in Harrisonburg, Virginia. James Madison University is there. It was a bunch of young kids, and they were all in college, and they were all super stoked, and the show was like, you know, it wasn't a huge turnout, but the show was like, you know, everybody was like partying, and the show didn't end till like two in the morning, and we had to like get up and drive, and I was like sleeping in a fucking recliner, Yeah. and I was just like looking around the house, and I was like, man, I just had the idea that like, what if while we were sleeping like these kids got well like at the party after the show they got us like super fucked up and they were like so we passed out and then they just like stole our identity as a band yeah and just like went on but then we had to go to college in their place so that was like and i i was just like this is the dumbest thing in the world and i (laughs) told it to them and they were like that's really funny so we So we did it, and our, our director, Adam Padido, is he, he directed the video for Never Again as well. And it was just, like, so easy to work with and so capable of doing so many different kinds of things that we... He takes these super hectic shooting schedules and just breaks them down into, like, a really manageable... I mean, he's, like, got a million things to do, but for us, it's extremely manageable. Well, yeah, that... Filming that video was insane because we actually had a party and we bought like so many cases of beer and just told people to come and everybody by the end of the shoot everybody was like so so drunk. Yeah. It was like I felt bad for him. He was just like trying to like imagine going to a party where everybody's partying super hard and then trying to like get them to do stuff. You know what I mean? Like corralling all these drunk people. So the five joints in the mouth, uh, whose idea was that? How many of those were real, Mikey? <laughs> One. <laughs> sure. Really. Then we smoked it. No, that's true. Yeah. The rest were tobacco. Oh, I thought like three of them were real. I think three of them were spliffs. I was misinformed. <laughs> he doesn't remember. I What do you guys like to do on tour when you uh, when you go out? We try really hard to do a lot of hiking and camping and swimming and fucking hanging. Beautiful shit. Yeah. yeah. We're always yeah. trying to see, we're always trying to like go on a hike or go into nature, you know. Can this I just take a beer so. out from under you the can. Boat, You can do that. Thrift stores, uh, I like to go golfing. Oh, I've heard about your golfing, yeah. You're a pretty good golfer? Uh, I like to play a lot. Yeah. You hit yeah. a hole in one last summer, right? You hit a hole in one? On a par four. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> pretty impressive. That's awesome. It's actually, a, a, it would be a double eagle. Oh, okay. That's I don't called, know what that means. I don't know. Like yeah. you hit a double eagle. <laughs> <laughs> print that. Print it. <laughs> Consider it printed. <laughs> Well, awesome. Well, thank you guys. Thanks for thank you so much. <laughs> hey, thank you for taking the thank time. Thank you. Yeah, and the band's Thin Lips. Uh, you can. That was the interview with Thin Lips. Thank you guys for taking the time to do the interview. Uh, I think we need to listen to a couple more songs from uh, Thin Lips set at the Fillmore in San Francisco. Uh, and so let's just not waste any time. Let's hop right into that, shall we? Uh, this is a song called Apple, and we're going to follow it up with another song from their set called Yup. Here it is. Yeah. 
Hello. This is Christina Marie Elizabeth Tashin. This is Kyle Pulley. This is Michael Jonathan Davis T-Dirt Tashin. Hi, this is Christopher Deem from Thin Lift. This is called Concert Pipeline. Thank you. That was Yup by Thin Lips, and we're going to move forward now, and we're going to take a, a listen to some stories for, uh, that are big in music right now. Uh, we're going to listen to the music news. These stories are borrowed from antimusic.com forward slash day in rock. Have some interesting stories that I wanted to uh, cover on the podcast today. And the first is around Prince. Obviously, we lost Prince uh, pretty recently. And uh, it was a tragic loss. You never know when uh, someone who you don't expect to ever leave is going to just be taken away from you. And we've had a, a handful of those recently where it's just incredible. You realize how mortal everybody is when something like that happens. And Prince died at 57 years old. Just think of, I mean, how much he could have continued to offer the world uh, if, uh, if if he'd continued on. But wasn't the case. So the cause of Prince's death was uh, confirmed to be um, an accidental overdose of the powerful painkiller fentanyl, according to a document linked uh, uh, via tweet from the Midwest Medical Examiner's Office. Associated Press says that according to a one-page report released by the Midwest Medical Examiner's Office, the music icon uh, administered the drug himself. So he was not uh, handed it or anything like that. He t- he took it himself. I also confirmed that it uh, had completed its investigation into Prince's death, but would give no further comment. Fentanyl is 50 times more potent than morphine and up to 25 times stronger than heroin. So, yeah, you you take drugs, it's going to happen. Obviously, that was speculated early on, pretty quietly. Uh, actually, I think most people. Uh, respected the family's uh, need to for that privacy and to not dig into too loudly what was causing it, uh, we, why he died, what happened, but uh, but obviously when something someone's taken so suddenly like that, you you have to wonder what's what's involved, and sometimes it's not going to be natural causes like that, especially in the uh, land of rock and roll where uh, everything is so readily available. 
we have a handful of stories about uh, ACDC. Uh, so first is we're going to start with a feel-good story um, regarding ACDC, and that is ACDC's Brian Johnson says that the hearing invention he was provided uh, works to uh, help him regain his hearing. So uh, for those that don't know, Brian Johnson had uh, had an issue with hearing loss, um, which caused him to leave AC, have to leave ACDC. He couldn't play live anymore. He had to stop immediately. Otherwise, he would have no hearing at all, ultimately. And so this... Uh, this inventor of in-ear monitors, Asius Technologies, uh, had reached out uh, and made a public offer via video to assist Brian Johnson over the hearing issues that sidelined him from uh, from that tour back in March with ACDC when they had to uh, postpone their remaining 10 shows on their spring tour. Um, And Johnson revealed that the initial source of his hearing loss began approximately eight years ago while racing at the Watkins Glen International, which is interesting. I didn't know about that. I thought it was it would just be from concerts, but it's apparently uh, loud cars as well. And so um, Ambrose and Johnson met in person to review his uh, latest upgrade to the technology that may help him return to the live stage one day. And he says, it works. It totally works, and you can't argue with that. Uh, I was really moved and amazed to be able to hear music again like I haven't heard for several years now. Can't wait for it to be miniaturized so I can use it in every situation from normal communication, going out to noisy restaurants, to performing live music on stage. So he hopes to take the throne back again uh, sometime from uh, Axl Rose. So we'll see what happens there. Speaking of Axl Rose, have a, a couple uh, of Axl Rose-related stories. And uh, the first is that ACDC with Axl Rose released a video in which Angus Young and Cliff Williams discussed the band's European tour with Axl Rose. Uh, the band's energy is really up there, says Cliff. It's doing really well. We've thrown some different songs in, which is always good. It changes it up for us and the audience, but the band is playing great. It's, got, uh, it's a good feeling up there right now. And with Axel, we've been able to mix up quite a few songs, do a few older ones, put them in, which we haven't done in a number of years. We used to get a set list, and that would be us for a tour. So now we've got a lot more adding and putting in different tracks. And the fun part is when we get there on the stage and seeing it come to life. So they like uh, mixing it up uh, now with Axel Rose. Um, and uh, uh, speaking of Axel Rose, he's planning new music with Guns N' Roses and possibly ACDC as well. So uh, he discussed uh, these and a bunch of other topics as the featured guest for a rare hour-long interview with Sir David Tang before Packed House and the China Exchange in London, UK. Uh, we're working on new stuff. I've got a lot of stuff together, and I played some stuff for Slash and Duff, and they liked it. And Angus and I are talking about working together, so we'll see. Uh, he says, I hope to keep this going for quite a while. Um, he's talking about the Guns N' Roses reunion. Uh, right now it's all good. I mean, obviously that could just explode. I do want to put out more music with Guns N' Roses, and I don't know if that has to do with Slash or not. Uh, if he wants to play on something, that would be great. I've been working to uh, get kind of where things are. The Guns N' Roses reunion didn't happen by chance or whatever. It was always looked at as a possibility, but never seemed right or felt right. Um, and... He says he does a lot of vocal exercises. The Brian Johnson back in black stuff is really demanding. Sing it wrong and you might not be singing again. So uh, so he's he's trying to protect ACDC's uh, music as well. So uh, kind of juggling two major rock bands, quite a, quite a challenge for him. All right. Next story up is about uh, Janis Joplin. Uh, Janis Joplin's childhood home is up for sale in Southeast Texas. So if you have $500,000 and looking to buy a piece of rock history, uh, then you can do that. The 1,500-square-foot house in Port Arthur has a Texas Historical Commission marker outside confirming that the blues icon lived at the residence from the age of four until she left for college. So that's she was there for a long time, long, long, long time. So... Uh, half, half a million dollars in the house is, uh, could be yours. Tax appraisals rec- uh, records value the home at $52,500, according to public records. Uh, uh, the seller hasn't been made public, but, uh, of course, it's going to be worth 10 times what the actual value of uh, the house is. It doesn't look very strong from the old picture. 
that uh, that I see here. <laughs> so, but it would be interesting to to uh, to see that house. All right, what else do we have in the music news? Uh, at least 80 fans were injured by a lightning strike at a music festival. So the third and final day of Rock uh, Am Ring Festival has been canceled after a large number of people were injured by lightning strikes over the weekend. Uh, 80 fans were hurt after heavy thunderstorms plagued the German music festival site close to Mendig in the west of the country uh, on June 3rd. Uh, the bad weather continued from there, and further storms forecasted after that revoked the festival's license to ensure the safety of fans. So they they just pulled the plug, so to speak. All right. Um, Kanye West had a surprise show that was called off after chaos takes over the New York City block. Uh, so uh, the the can the, the governor's ball was uh, canceled that was supposed to be headlined by Kanye West, so people were really excited to see him perform a makeup show in New York City, even one scheduled at 2 a.m., but the unruly scene that took place outside of Manhattan's Webster Hall during the early hours of Monday, June 6th, was an unfortunate reflection of a mostly young fan base thirsty to touch the hem of Yeezus's garment at any cost. So uh, there's a pretty big mess, and, uh, and lots of people out, uh, after hours, uh, getting rowdy, uh, to see, uh, Kanye West. And so the last story we'll wrap up with is, uh, with the Rolling Stones there, they recorded a new, a new song with Eric Clapton. So according to the Sun newspaper, the Rolling Stones new album sessions have just added a new member and it's Eric Clapton. The paper reports that Clapton and the Stones recently ran into each other at a West London recording studio and have since recorded two songs together with producer Don Was. It makes plenty of sense. The Stones' Ron Wood has previously uh, revealed that the band have been on a blues streak covering standards by the likes of Howlin' Wolf and Little Water. They really sound authentic, Wood said of the Stones' new tracks in April. We went in to cut some new songs, which we did, but we got on a blues streak. We cut 11 blues in two days. When we heard them back after not hearing them for a couple of months, we were, who's that? It's you. It sounds so authentic. And Clapton has guested before, of course, The Stones shared a previously unreleased version of Brown Sugar featuring Clapton on their deluxe reissue of Sticky Fingers. Uh, So they're they're back at it again. Should be uh, interesting to to hear that and a really cool recording to to come in contact with. So uh, that is our music news for this episode of the podcast. And that's our episode of this podcast, really. Let me tell you a little bit about who we have coming up on the podcast um, in the not-too-distant future. Uh, next week on the podcast, we have a band called We Were Promised Jetpacks. They're playing with Tokyo Police Club at the Regency Ballroom in San Francisco on uh, Monday, June 13th. So you can check that out if uh, tickets are still available, I believe. So you should be able to do that. It will be a really cool show, and we're going to cover it and bring that interview uh, from that show. Uh, after that following week, we should have uh, Max Sabbath on the program that's a a band uh it's exactly what it sounds like mac sabbath so it's actually a goth uh mcdonald's characters type band uh that are doing black sabbath covers with the lyrics changed to uh, words that have to do with fast food and food type items Uh, it's gonna be insane uh, they're playing at the Boardwalk in Orangevale, California. That's outside of Sacramento. So we'll be covering both sides of the bay uh, in the following week. They're, that's on uh, June 15th. You can check that out. Uh, and then uh, down the line into uh, July, we're uh, setting up an interview with Sherwood, most likely. They're uh, reuniting for some shows on the West Coast. So a lot of stuff coming up. Should be uh, fun uh, weeks ahead as we get into summer, feel the heat, cool down with some uh, awesome music uh, here on Concert Pipeline. Uh, as always, again, tweet us at Concert Pipeline. Just go ahead and follow us because then you can know when uh, when the shows come out and, and on Facebook too, like, like Concert Pipeline at facebook.com forward slash Concert Pipeline pod. You can uh, get exclusive content, including videos from uh, some of the performances uh, that, uh, from bands that are on the show. So um, for Concert Pipeline, I am Stephen Jones. We're going to play you out with one more song from Thin Lips, and this is Nothing Weird. I don't know what that means to play us out. What does that mean? 
to end the show? Yeah. Yeah. All right, go, go. In five, four, three. Seventeen, twelve.